0: Don't you just love it when you can confidently say that someone has your back? Hi, Dave Lee here, and that's the feeling I have with UCARE. Anytime I call them up with a Medicare question, I know without a doubt that a real person will answer, and they will work through my issues no matter how long it takes, and they won't hang up until I completely understand what's going on. Their people and customer service are second to none, and it's why UCARE has people-powered health plans. Don't hesitate to reach out to UCARE for help. Learn more at UCARE.org slash Medicare. This paid endorsement brought to you by UCARE. Today, on my first concert...
1: So I went to their gig at the Snail Lake Supper Club in uh, Shoreview, for lack of a better term. Um, north of 694, just past Lexington. Mm-hmm. And I get my chance, and I have to play Peggy Sue and Wipeout back-to-back. And that is, a, that is a proving point on if you can play drums or not. Were if you-, you able to practice? Did you
0: know it ahead of time, or did you just... I just...
1: I would take I would play with anybody for any reason. <laughs> and and I passed the audition. Their drummer quit. I started learning the rest of the songs and that band morphed into what is now known as the Hipsters.
0: Dave Lee here with John Bongo Haga today, and uh, Johnny's been in a number of bands. He's still playing actively, and he has a music store right here in the Twin Cities and Hopkins. We've got a lot to talk about with him and the hipsters and courtesy, and, and a lot of uh, other stories along the way as well. Davide Razos, our engineer as always. Davide, good to see you once again. Good to see you, And it's all brought to you by our good friends at Aquarius Home Services. Here from the AquariusHomeServices.com studios by UCARE. By the Chan Hassan Dinner Theaters and by Starbank.net. And it's great to have you along on the show again today. And of course, you can download it wherever you get your podcast. Apple, Spotify, TalkNorth.com. Johnny, good to see you again. Good to see you. Man, been it been a while. Yeah, it has been a long time. You got the store going strong over there in Hopkins. Before I ask you about all those things, though, and John's a pretty well-known drummer here in the Metro.
1: Your first concert. Well, the first concert that I went to with my brother was the Vox Review at the convention center downtown. And basically, it was the Vox amplifiers showcase for their products. So you had all the guitar amps, all the drum sets. Oh, my. Um, You had saxophones and trumpets with pickups on them, so they could be heard very easily through the PA. And they had the Voxmobile, um, which was a guitar-shaped automobile. (laughs) And uh, that was the first big one. Um, Who played? Just
0: whoever they had. Yeah.
1: It was, it was probably union guys. They called up and said, we need these guys to play these charts and, you know, two hours and it's over. Yeah. And, uh, that was, that was my first memory of a major concert. And,
0: did did you go home wanting to buy something from Vox? Always. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Every
1: day, every day they had, they had a drum set that had a squished bass drum and it, It was like oblong, so you could put two pedals on the back and get two different sounds. Mm. It was a design made by a company called Trixon. And those drum kits are very sought after by collectors. They don't sound that great, but they look really cool. (laughs) So were you drumming at the time that you saw that show? I was drumming at that point. Um, my, My career started on a table that my parents would put me on a seat in the middle of the table and... My brother, who was 16 years older, would come home from school, watch American Bandstand, put a little pair of bongos in front of me. It's not where the name came from.
0: (laughs) Okay, well, we'll find out in a little while where that Um, came from.
1: He he would dance around to American Bandstand, and Chubby Checker was one of my favorites. And then in 1964, The Beatles and Ed Sullivan. And I saw that. That was the end of it all. Yeah. They ruined my life. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> By the time my sixth birthday came around, I was wearing a Beatles sweatshirt at my birthday party. I oh had photographic proof and uh, begged for a drum set. Yeah. I got a practice pad. I got the carrot put in front of me. The drum set is sure. the carrot. The yeah. practice pad, learn how to play. Yep. Took lessons. Russ Moore, who was the, uh, the secretary or the, you know, the guy in charge at the musicians union was my instructor and, uh, between cigarette puffs, he's going, Nope, that's wrong. That's wrong. You're holding your sticks wrong. Lift the stick, you know, and it didn't last very long. Yeah. So in the neighborhood, there were kids with drum sets and guitars and, and we would all play together and get together and goof around and, and start bands and, get cool names set up set up the drums on top <laughs> sure, of phone books this is the
0: biggest thing is figuring out what your name yeah, would be right yeah your name you know if yeah. you,
1: it's the gang it's the tag and uh then 7th grade got the first drum kit oh boy uh in 7th grade was i also was it a gift or was did you go it out? was it was christmas eve oh and uh, it was a late 50s early 60s gretsch broadcaster drum kit in midnight blue pearl Sought after like crazy today. And uh, with that, I got into more drumming styles. I got into what I would call jazz, which was big band. Mm -hmm. And there was this guy coming to the Guthrie Theater. And a friend of mine had his new album. It was Miles Davis, and the album was Bitches Brew. So I went to my mom, and I said, Mom, Miles Davis is playing at the Guthrie. Can I get a ticket? I want to go to that show. So she ended up with a single ticket on the end of row one, seat one. But I'm seeing these great artists. It's just a whole stage of the best of the best at that time for uh, acid jazz or, uh, you know, free jazz, whatever you want to call it. And I ended up kind of going, well, I don't get this, but someday (laughs) maybe I will. And that was during the time where Miles would have a, bunch of microphones set all over the stage and he would wander around and lean into a microphone and play and then he'd wander to another one and wander around and he gets to a certain point where his mute falls out and it hits the stage and it rolls and it goes over it goes boom 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 down the stairs stage right seat one row one so I'm holding Miles Davis's mute and I wait for the end of the song, and I just stood up, leaned forward, handed it to him. He did, We didn't make eye contact. I didn't make eye contact with him because I didn't feel I had, I had enough the, chutzpah to do right. that. Right, he didn't
0: have the moxie to do and, that. And uh,
1: so so he takes it. I sit down on my seat, and this patchouli-marinated guy sitting next to me goes, that's the coolest thing that'll ever happen to you in your life. <laughs> and I went, well, Okay. Doesn't give me much to look forward to, no. <laughs> so I I have that in my scrapbook, and I had a ticket stub and I gave it to a friend of mine who was a big Miles Davis fan, and you know he he can attest to that. Boy,
0: but that was a big one for me. Oh no kidding! That was a big one for anybody. At the Guthrie, where the sound is good, and
1: well, I was so close to the stage, I was hearing the stage, and it was it was unbelievable. Hmm. Thinking back, I wish I I wish I could see it now.
0: <laughs> oh gosh, yeah, I'm sure that I can't imagine there's even video of it anywhere.
1: No, and and when you look on the websites for concerts and shows and you know the history of the Twin Cities, you that's listed, and uh, other shows that I went to later on, like Alice Cooper at the Met Center. Oh yeah, with Flo and Eddie, and they were in the uh, midst of the 200 motels. Frank Zappa era. So, you know, it was like from soup to nuts as far as music goes. Oh,
0: yeah, all over the map. Well, Alice was a showman, wasn't he, when oh, you yeah. saw him?
1: You yeah. remember remember anything about that show? The Guillotine. Oh, the the gui- Guillotine. Yeah. Oh, man, that was really cool. <laughs> it could have been the uh, Boone's Farm or uh, spinata that was added. <laughs> Who knows? I, yeah. You know, I I dabbled very young, but, uh, you know, like most things, you you figure out what's good for you and what's not. Yeah.
0: And of course, with Alice putting on a show, there were there were no video screens, were there?
1: No, this no. is this is long before video. This is back in the days when they had the big Super Trooper arc welding spotlights, and and uh, all of a sudden the spotlight would just stop, <laughs> and the guy would put a new rod inside of it and light it up. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's sort of like the days of eight tracks when you're yeah. listening to your favorite song, it just stops goes, click, click. Yeah.
0: And- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I remember that from my a Steppenwolf eight track. It's where I first realized that, you know, you're just going nuts. Yeah. And all of a sudden, boom, it just stops dead for about four or five <laughs> seconds until yeah. it switches tracks. But it sounded good when it was playing. Yeah. With that, getting back to that first drum set though, did you know, oftentimes, in you know, and I, I love playing baseball and I, I still have my first glove still have it it's just you know it's just i kind of gotta have my first glove and it's sure uh what about the drum set did you were you able to hang on to that i was
1: able to hang on to it till my senior year um i worked at what was a new music store on 28th and hennepin it was called newt coupe and uh i i used to go to high school and jazz band was zero hour first hour was concert band Third hour, I was supposed to go to Typing History or whatever required class. And I'd go to breakfast at a place called Albert's, <laughs> Elaine and Bert. It was on the corner of 28th and Hennepin, Kitty Corner from West High School. And where Kindo is today. It's been through a bunch of different yeah. names. And uh, I'm walking back down 28th to go hang out in the parking lot, as I <laughs> would do. And I look in the front door and there's an amp a Gibson guitar and a pair of timbales, and a counter, and there are these two guys standing there. So I opened the door and I said, "What are you doing in here?" <laughs> we're building a music store. I went, "Oh, you're going to get really sick of me," <laughs> and and went on my way. Well, that turned into a place that I would hang out at and uh, do all my do all my business with those guys. They got to the point where. They would start paying me to hang out. Oh, wow. And that's that's where uh, I met all the all the names. The guys that recorded their records here in the 60s would hang out there because they knew Jeff and Carl. And uh, Jeff was in a band called The Youngsters, and Carl was in a band called Syndicate. And it it was like you never knew who was gonna walk through the door. Really? And this is when Robin Trower was making his solo career, Johnny Winter. Was friends with Zippy Kaplan, the guy from Musicians Referral next oh, door. Oh my, wow! And once in a while, Zippy would come in and go, "Hey, John, come cover me. I gotta, I gotta go to the uh, dry cleaner. I gotta get a haircut. I gotta go. You know, I yeah. gotta, I gotta, gotta." And he'd take off, and I'd sit behind the desk. And that's actually where I met the guys in the Hipsters and King Custom and the Cruisers. Huh? But back to that drum set. I started playing with those guys and this really delicate, wonderful sounding Gretsch kit from the late fifties, early sixties, just didn't have enough beef. Mm -hmm. So I spot this Rogers kit that came in on a trade, big bass drum, big toms. And I'm like, okay. So I swung a deal, traded my kit in, got the new Rogers and they were great. And I recorded the hipsters album is recorded with that drum kit, Ooh, wow. um, at the Longhorn and everything I did, I used that one kit cause I had one drum set. And so that became, uh, a, a side piece for a early fifties Slingerland Radio King kit, like Gene Krupa's White Marine Pearl, same, you know, big bass drum really could handle the stages. And, uh, so that, like, drum sets are like baseball gloves. You, you know, you always want your first one. Yeah. So I got to the point where I was comfortable financially, and I went on eBay, and I found the same finish in the sizes that I prefer, and I ended up buying that. And it turns out they're 1958 drums. Wow. And, uh, you know, they're, they sound phenomenal. They're in the basement. You don't um, have them at the record yet, at the music store. They're in the basement at my home yeah, where I rehearse with everybody.
0: <laughs> well, I want to ask you about that, too, because uh, 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 John, not only a good musician, but also did a lot of other things technically as well. So we'll talk about that when we come back. This is my first concert. Dave Lee here, Davide Rosso, our producer, and John Bongo-Haga is our guest uh, today at, from the AquariusHomeServices.com studios. Hey, by the way, if you're, uh, if you're just looking at what's going on right now with all the things you got cooking— in your life and you're trying to figure it all out, I do want to remind you that if you, uh, you've got that growing to-do list going on, and there's a lot of things you need to take care of in the house, the folks over at Aquarius are awesome. And I just want to make sure that uh, you know that uh, we're only halfway through winter, I hate to bring that up. So we've got some more, uh, more good news for you that's gonna warm your heart. And it's a perfect time to bid farewell to that tired old furnace and AC. So as I talk about the to-do list, you can dive into the cozy embrace of a brand new high-efficiency whole-home heating and cooling system from Aquarius. So picture this. You can have it installed now. And guess what? You won't pay a penny until next year. Yeah, you heard that right. Not a single payment until 2025. So head over to AquariusHomeServices.com, schedule your free comfort estimate. Financing offers are subject to credit approval. And trust Aquarius to be your cozy home companion ensuring your 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 stay-at-home is always warm and delightful all through 2024. Aquarius believes in earning the right to be recommended, and they're just a click away at com. And really good people, Jeff and his staff over there, known them for years and years and years. John Bongo Haga is with us uh johnny i'm not sure where to go i let me just kind of uh kind of fly off the cuff here that's but the door i do <laughs> i i do, do want to ask you uh, if you'll stay just a few more minutes you got to get over to the records or the music store rather um but and i knew you beforehand but i uh you and i bumped into each other at the very first minnesota wild game and you were you had a band That would play at the games. Let's talk about that for just a sec.
1: The Hip Checks. That was was a second version of the band that played at the Met Center for the Stars, the Minnesota North Stars, Mm -hmm. before they moved out of town. And this is also a Newt Coupe connection. Um, Carl was was great at uh, promoting the store, whether it would be at the Timberwolves games or whatever he he had his hand in so many things and he uh he got the north stars to hire us to play before the game we were the bumper music between plays yeah and um so that that was a great gig i uh i was really sad when that team left because they were the ones that i grew up with right yeah uh the days of
0: uh
1: caesar maniago and and and
0: uh all the way to john casey uh, yeah and, uh, I mean, Stanley see, Cup was, playoffs. it was yeah.
1: unbelievable yeah and uh got to spend time at met center in hockey school as well as as an adult playing music and uh norm green yeah because you up, were
0: a good hockey player back in the day when you were I, a young man i like to think so yeah
1: i was a skater and i grew up a block and a half away from a a lake in Minneapolis, the Mean Streets of East Isles. There you go, yeah. Where we were so tough, we only used face cards on our bicycle <laughs> wheels. And uh, so going to those games and being able to get paid to not only play music, but watch hockey yeah. was just like-
0: And Lou Nanny was one of your coaches when you were a youngster. Yep, yep. at hockey
1: school. Yep. Um, Wayne Connolly, Parker McDonald, uh, J.P. Parisi. Wow. Uh, the first- the first year was, uh, John Mariucci. Holy I, have a, I have a photo with him and, oh, yeah. and All you can legends. see the, you can see the seats at the Met were different colors because they looked better on TV when the camera would pan. It looked like there were people there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh yeah. I was in a lot of those. I was in a lot of those games, but you know what I did the other day? It's funny. You mentioned it. I went on eBay to see if I could find seats from the Met center. Cause I wanted the green, gold and black North star. I wanted to Oh, That'd be awesome. Yeah, because one of, one of my boys has built an outdoor hockey rink, and I thought, oh, we should get some old Met Center seats and stick them out there.
1: But anyway, I've they're long this. gone. Took, long gone. Took yeah. three charges to take her down.
0: Oh, I remember that. Canon broadcast that live on CCO, and wow. it, and the building wouldn't go down.
1: Yeah, <laughs> i i was uh, I was invited to go for the last skate at the Met Center. Oh, wow! And uh, we're we're all suited up, we got all our gear on. we had jerseys made the mm-hmm. last skate. It was like uh, the ushers and the ticket takers and concession people, people that worked in you know the stadium were part of this skate. And what a the, great idea. The Zamboni made the far end last turn and stopped moving. And we weren't the last people to skate on the ice, but the Zamboni was dead right there. At the goal line on the opposite end of where it needed to go, and the axle had broken. Oh, so it wasn't on purpose? No, <laughs> <laughs> no. And you know, we're all looking at each other like, "Whoa, this is like paranormal activity, eerie, if anything." Yeah. And you know,
0: it, stranger and, than friction. You yeah. know, having <laughs> to skate
1: the fog off of Met Center ice in August and and July. Was was a memory, and I'm I'm standing there, and I'm like, "Well, let's push it off," and we, we pushed it down <laughs> to the other end, and, and got it on the concrete, and we're on our skates pushing this thing out, and then we played hockey for an hour and a half. But you know, you can't make stuff like that. No,
0: up. the wow. axle broke. <laughs> the axle breaks. So you're doing the music over there. Yep. And then the wild began in 2000 because uh, I was working up in the press box. At the in the PA, and then and then uh, you had your band back together, yeah.
1: We uh, the hip, chimes. we were contacted by the wild. Um, John Maher, who was, yeah, John's who, been on the show,
0: yeah. That he's big Springsteen guy, he,
1: he was at the Met, he knew us, knew we would do whatever we were told, and usually did. And so, we got hired to do the it wasn't new stadium. like skipping
0: history class and going over to the records, no,
1: no, and <laughs> and and, and what I want to do is I want to find my counselor that was like, you know, poking me in the chest going, you have to have these courses or otherwise you won't amount to anything. It's like, I'm hanging out at a music store. And guess what I do now? <laughs> I own a music store. So wherever you are, if you hear this, call me. Yeah, <laughs> I like to say you were wrong. Um, so the, the Met turned into the XL mm-hmm. and the first season we were down as You look at the press level, we were to the left, yes, and that was right below Doug Risebrower's office the general booth, manager, yeah, general manager at the time. And uh, he didn't like us, no, kidding. because we were loud, obnoxious. And you know, to his point, when Norm Coleman was sitting in the booth, we would all go up the stairs on a you know, when the game started, we would just take off and goof around, eat hot dogs, yeah, and uh we'd yell norm up the <laughs> stairs and Risebauer was like mmm, <laughs> you know, shaking his fist at us. So he, he got us down to the other end and we also went from playing louder to only through direct boxes. And my drums were all pads and, and samples. And so through the, through the PA in the stadium, it sounded great Yeah, because they could really control each and everything. And, uh, before that, we were sort of microphone here, microphone there, and rocking out pretty loud. But
0: Yeah, but it, it was, was fun. It was just, uh, I, I it thought was, it was a great idea, whoever
1: came up with it. Great gig. Love, love the hockey, love the dough. Don't miss the work. Yeah. Because <laughs> having to set up and move stuff around every time and be there two hours, three hours ahead of time each game, I was there, you know, like, Manny Fernandez and I used to leave at the same yeah. time. <laughs> Manny was the goalie, of course. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, Man. that
0: but you know, isn't that cool that the, that the Minnesota Wild uh, embraced the North Star uh, atmosphere so well? And even now with the throwback uniforms, oh, yeah. and those the great colors of the of the North Stars on their Wild uniforms. I have one. I just I absolutely love it.
1: I'm uh, I'm a collector of hockey jerseys throughout history in the state of Minnesota. Well, I have a North Stars. I have stars um when we played at the games at the met and then i have two wild jerseys and i also have the western conference jersey from when the all-star game was here oh nice and uh that that is uh kind of cool because it's green my high school color Mm -hmm. it says western on the front and i'm thinking if i ever get a really hardcore cowboy gig like rip (laughs) gene you know Ripped jeans on the lead singer, but he didn't wear the holes in them. He just bought them that way, <laughs> kind of a band. I'll wear one of those jerseys.
0: He is John Bongo Haga. He's with us here on uh, My First Concert. Dave Lee here. Davide is our engineer. And our thanks to Star Bank for making it possible. Uh, you're going to find products tailored to assist you with everything from managing your inventory to paying those vendors to covering operating expenses and more. But they have competitive rates and flexible terms that you can rely on. They're experienced bankers, family-owned for all these many years in Minnesota. There's 10 locations, one right here in the Metro, but they offer guidance and support to help you and your business thrive. And they're good at it, the years prove that, but just talk to people and businesses they work with and then you can get uh, another version of how good they are because uh, they just get it done uh, and still with that small town feel but yet in a big market like ours and continuing in throughout minnesota and many small towns as well but if you're thinking of a loan your turnaround time great by by the way the service outstanding home equity line of credit maybe home mortgage whatever it is you're looking to get money for uh, get out and see them and the personal banking with the checking and savings and iras and hsas and all that safe deposit boxes they do it all plus All the high-end digital banking services are there, but it's experienced banking at your fingertips. So the digital stuff, that's cool. It's good to walk in there, though, because they get to know you, you get to know them. And again, as I always tell you, if you call them on the phone, uh, they'll answer the phone. A person will actually answer the phone. Call Star Bank today. You're online at starbank.net. The loans are subject to a loan application approval. Member FDIC and Equal Housing Lender. But they are our bank right here at talknorth.com. My first concert, John Bongo Haga is with us. And John, the nickname Bongo, it didn't come from those early days. Where did it come from?
1: Well, much like everything else in my life, the the Wonder Bread years were spent at Nude Coupe, the music store on 28th. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was working at one of the satellite stores for Carl at the time. And he came in, he says, what do you think about starting a drum shop at the Uptown store? I said, I'd "Love to," because you know I'm a drummer. I've been working at a guitar store that sold a few sticks and heads, and thought, you know, this is this is the way to go. And uh, so we were thinking, if the thing takes off, do we want to have a separate identity for the store? So it was going to be Bongo and Johnny's Drum Shop. Bongo would be this McGilla Gorilla Beatnik sunglasses playing bongos, mm-hmm. like cartoon, and me. And uh, you know, in those days you could go to the state fair, get a caricature, and you know, that could be my yeah. caricature for the <laughs> for the advertising. And we I started calling Carl Buana as as sort of a a poke in the ribs, like Bob Hope. Call me Buana. I'm big man boss, pacey pacey. And uh one day we're standing at the counter and he goes, Hey, Bongo, and I turned and I went, What? And he goes, Aha. And so <laughs> that became my nickname at that point. And that was like eighty five. and i can I can tell how long people have known me. You call me Johnny, which is odd because we haven't known each other that long, you know, only thirty years or whatever yeah a short time. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and guys that call me John, they've known me since grade school. Mm-hmm. Uh, Johnny is sort of that rock and roll thing, yeah. And Bongo is what 80% of the people on the planet call me. And my first business cards at uh, the drum company I worked for were Bongo Haga. I had no first name (laughs) to those people. And so they all called me Bongo. And finally, I I put my foot down and I said, you know, I'd really like to have my name on the card. (laughs) (laughs) It'd be be kind of nice to, because, you know, explaining... Bongo, is that your real name? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm named after a, a an animal in Africa, because my parents are from Cape Town. And it's like some line of BS, and yeah. just drag them down, and you know, then flip them over and go, gotcha. That's <laughs> what I do. Yeah, to Davide. Well, where were you from? Sheboygan, Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah, Davide's, yeah.
0: Davide's from Basel, Switzerland. So yeah, that's, well, that's how they talk in Sheboygan. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so the so tell me about the hipsters and, and uh, uh, one of many bands. Well, no, let's go back. First band. What was your first band?
1: My first band I was guys in high school. We'd yeah. get together and we we'd play grand funk and and uh, Stones and Hendrix and that was with a guitar player named Peter Garberg who went on to play in a band called Rocking Horse. And that's where one of the Ricky Peterson connections happens is with Rocking Horse because he was the keyboard player with those guys. Mm. And Peter, and I, and Michael Raymond would play garage parties. People would hire us to play wedding receptions because they were standing there scratching their head, going, "How can these little kids play this stuff?" And Peter was as good at 13 as he was at 25. He just was so gifted, and uh, so we would we would play parties and and whatever we could to get together to rock out. Yeah. And there was beer involved quite often and we were underage and uh, <laughs> yeah. had a great time I with that. can't believe
0: that. that.
1: <laughs> can't believe beer. Beer was, yeah. it seemed like it was everywhere. Yeah. Whether it was Kenwood park or what they call nude beach. It was private beach back then, you know, oh, yeah. have a, have a couple kids on walkie talkie so we could let, let the people next to the keg know that the park patrol was coming. We put it in, <laughs> put it in a canoe, paddle to the weeds <laughs> Um, but there really wasn't a lot of bands until, uh, I was working for Zippy at musician's referral and these two guys come busting in big guys, big, I mean, leather jackets, greased up hair. We're looking for a drummer. And I said, okay, (laughs) what kind of stuff you play? Play fifties. And I'm thinking happy days, you know, swing, you know, some rock and roll stuff. And I said, well, I'm a drummer. And they said, you want to audition? And I said, I do. So I went to their gig at the Snail Lake Supper Club in uh, Shoreview, for lack of a better term, um, north of 694, just past Lexington.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: I get my chance. And I have to play Peggy Sue and wipe out back-to-back. And that is a that is a proving point on if you can play drums or not.
0: Were you, you able to
1: practice? Did you know it ahead of time, or did you just? I just, I would take, I would play with anybody for any reason. <laughs> <laughs> and and, I passed the audition. Their drummer quit. I started learning the rest of the songs. And that band morphed into what is now known as the Hipsters. King wow. Custom and the Cruiser still play as a 50s band, and they do like Trashman and,
0: yeah, and. Who recorded the the bird recorded right here. right here?
1: Yeah. Tony Andreessen comes into my shop and hangs out every once in a while. It brings his granddaughter in to buy guitars. Oh, how cool. which is you know like, oh. yeah. And he's telling me, "Oh yeah, I still have my uh, original Twin Reverb <laughs> uh, Fender amplifier. You think that's worth anything?" And I went, "Nah, <laughs> I'll I'll pay you what you paid for it." Yeah. <laughs> so that that band. King Custom played all the ballrooms and that was back in the 50s craze. Yeah. Uh, much, you know, like the group that I'm with now started in 73. I started playing with those guys in 75. And that group is? Well, King well. Now? The Rock and Hollywood. Rock and Hollywood? Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. And uh, and uh, so the Hipsters played, or the King Custom played all over the ballroom circuit. And then we were getting a little tired of playing the same thing over and over. So, Thought, well, let's branch out. Let's play 60s stuff. But no Beatles, no Stones, you know, Kinks, the the harder side of stuff. It was like King Custom was Gene Vincent, Eddie Cochran, you know, a little, little tougher leather jacket stuff. And the hipsters were more the blues-based rock, but we branched out into the psychedelic stuff. 13th mm-hmm. Floor Elevators, Red Crayola, through Ernie, the guitar player, uh, ernie batson is a record collector he he is he started a collection when he was in his teens and, and he still it, does he still does wow uh i don't know if he's got much vinyl anymore yeah you know through uh mergers and acquisitions as they call it <laughs> um there, there was there was uh some loss in his collection but um when we got together and started playing those songs it was like it was comfortable, and then we then we made a big change. Those guys went and saw the Ramones at Kelly's Pub in St. Paul, and they came back with this newfound energy of these guys play these songs super fast, super loud, and they're dumbed down, and you just plow through them, next. If you don't like the song we're playing, it'll be over in a minute and a half. <laughs> so the hipsters adopted that. Dumb it down, speed it up mentality with everything that we did. And uh, the the album, first it was an EP with four songs. One was a local one called Action Woman that I can honestly say when I was 10 years old, I got the words for one. I was sitting on the front stairs at their house, kitty corner from my grade school. The drummer and the guitar player came out, Tom Murray and Dan Rinaldi, And I asked them, you know the words to Action Woman? they wrote them down in my spiral notebook. And I would give anything to go to some landfill and find that. Mm -hmm. So at 10, I got those. At 20, I recorded Action Woman. At 40, I was in the litter. But that's further down the road (laughs) in my career, my illustrious career. And uh, so the hipsters played the ballroom circuit, the bowling alleys. We would do Monday night at the Burnsville bowl because they couldn't draw flies out there then. And we would bring in a few people, you yeah know, 30, 50 people and they'd dance and we got paid and that was good. And uh, then we started going down to a club called the Longhorn and that's where another door opened up for us musically because we could take the songs that we've been doing and play here, but still we were a cover band so we didn't get the press that a lot of the original groups would get. So we wrote a few songs and, you know, the the attitude of we're not writing stuff that's better than the stuff that we're playing. We should just keep doing what we do. And so our original material got shelved quite often because we wanted to keep them dancing, mm-hmm. keep them entertained and uh, put out an EP with the four songs That got interest from a label in Los Angeles called Bomp Records. And they had a subsidiary label called Vox and they put out a LP. By the time that LP came out, I had quit the band. I was like, not making enough money. I'm a musician, I wanna be able to play music full time and it's not happening. So I signed away my rights to the hipsters and they went out on tour, played all over the country, on various shows and, and people would go by, by that time the bass player and I had both left and people are going, well, this isn't the same band that's on that album. And it wasn't, it, it was different foundation, same roof and windows, but mm-hmm. you know, it just, it wasn't the same. And uh, so they, they continued for a while and then they changed the name to the mighty mofos and started another band and they could, you know, fresh start. They were successful, and a couple of years down the road after that, I get a call from Bill, the lead singer Bill Batson, to get together to play a show. I thought, yeah, what the heck? So we got the original band back together, and it was just like throwing gas on a fire. It was just boom, it was right back to where we were. Yeah. And uh, fortunately, to this day, it's still the same. You know, it's like we can get together and play. Uh, we have made a change in the bass player though we have a different bass player. And uh, it's, it happens.
0: Well, that's the bands, but the fact that you're still going at it all these years later yeah. is, is yeah. a testament to, I guess, friendships. Well,
1: I i I think it's a little bit like the mafia. Once you're in, you're in. <laughs>
0: yeah, you can't get out.
1: I, I i
0: got out and they pulled me back. Yeah. But you're on the Hipsters album.
1: Yep. Yep. The Hipsters album uh, is, is like... A very great thing for me to have. It's like the first real recording. Of course, I did one with the Jefferson Junior High School band. Well, who can forget that? And uh, you know, every every high school back in the old days, like the uh, that thing you do, they'd record the school band or the yes, choir. Yes, yes. Yeah. I have I have uh, the album that I played a solo on uh, a song by Chicago and um, and Bob Stack, who was the teacher at that school recently passed away. He was, he was the catalyst for my attitude on, on stage, my ability to listen and play behind people. He was a guy that you got to listen and you also have to learn how to read music. And it's like, I still don't know how to read music. (laughs) It doesn't, apparently it doesn't matter because buddy rich couldn't read music. Yeah. Wow. He would have a scribe play stuff for him. And he'd go, okay. And he just regurgitate that. And that's basically greats, what I do. Yeah. I have you know notes and things you're like, stop, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Count count to five and then play. <laughs>
0: Wasn't Mick Fleetwood like that too? I can't speak. Yeah. I, I thought I, I read for his sure. book. I thought he said something, about he and he was also a different drummer, they said, but it worked out pretty well for him. Yeah, yeah Mick that's has a, done inter-
1: okay for himself.
0: Interesting book, that's <laughs> for sure. The, uh, yeah, and then album-wise, how many albums have you recorded? Do you know?
1: Well, um, I like to say 10
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, CDs and albums. The way I look at it is vinyl is one thing and, and CDs is another. Um, I don't get called for studio work because I have a tendency to lean into it. I've always played live. And in the studio, you kind of can pull it all back. You, you're more of a pocket for what's going on. And, you know, I, I have like two ball peen hammers in my hands when I'm playing live Mm -hmm. because I'm playing at the back of the room. And, uh, in the studio, you don't have to hit them as hard. You don't have to break a sweat. You drink coffee and play your deal. And then next. And, uh, when we, when we did the Curtis a record across the hall here, I walked into the studio with this live mentality. And, uh, and I beat the snot out of the drum kit in there. I like to think I did. There's many drummers in town that play much harder than I do. And we were able to take our 30, 25 years of experience playing these songs and spit them out in two days. And those were the Monday, Tuesday before the lockdown of COVID. Mm. And so they they John Fields, awesome engineer, producer, Fabulous musician. He he had the thing sounding so good. It's like, that's me? <laughs> you know, I was like, I, I've never sounded that good. Yeah. And I've done a lot of projects. And, uh, you know, the thing is, you walk in and you're doing a project. It's not for the money. It's for the history. Yeah. And when the song ends, you sit there and you go, can I live with that for the rest of my life? And if you can't, you have to stand up and go. Let's do it again. Yeah. If if you live with those mistakes, you're, you people are going. Oh, yeah, yeah. You did that right there. It's wrong. And you know, and <laughs> I I hated that aspect of it. Sure. So I come in with sort of a uh, a fleeting attitude. You know, if it's good enough for you guys, I'll live with it. If if you want it done again, I will do it again. And, uh, so the studio work doesn't happen as much for me and that's fine because you don't get paid for it as much unless you're a union guy then you get scale. And if union scale is what you're living on, you better be in the studio all the time. John, of all the venues
0: you've played, you mentioned the Longhorn. You made me start thinking about some of the clubs you've played. Uh, what's, what stands out?
1: The XL center, 18,568 people <laughs> a night. Yeah. <laughs> Every you know, every performance, every performance <laughs> <laughs> sold out. Yeah. Every every night is sold out. Um, but first, they, app, but
0: they, I mean I was there. They fans love that. That was just a great addition. I, I,
1: it was really really fun. Yeah. So when when did that uh,
0: stop? Th- well, gosh. When did it stop? Well, so we it started did, in two thousand.
1: We yes. did three three years and then they. And we once in a while we
0: do stuff outside. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: The morning, the morning show. Yeah. That's where we hooked up. Yeah. My <laughs> mother was so proud of me because I didn't say yeah. I said yes. <laughs> it, was, the it was little things, yeah. It was the little the little yeah, things. Yeah. She was she was like, Oh, that made me feel good. Um, we did three seasons and then they were preparing for the lockout. And also Pontiac was our sponsor. Have you been able to find a new Pontiac anywhere? Have no, I noticed yeah, that. I don't yeah. see a
0: lot of Pontiacs <laughs> out on the lot you new know,
1: ones. <laughs> if, if we were on the Uber stage, it'd be, you know, we'd still be there. Um, but three seasons and we all kept in touch. Uh unfortunately, a couple of the members have passed away, mm-hmm. fuzzy and Pat. And um, it, it Pat Mackin was the the musician that was T-boned coming home from a gig in St. Paul. And spent many years uh, debilitated in Mm. wheelchairs and health issues. And Pat Mackin, and he's just phenomenal musician. I mean, just scary good. And ran with the who's who of the Twin Cities, but we conned him into joining our band. (laughs) And so that was that was really sad. But um, it's one of those things where what did I do to get this gig? It was so easy and so great and you know the watching hockey being paid and feed they would feed us and a crowd that loved you and a crowd that tolerated us oh well one of my one of my things i had a fishing rod with a spider and i would i would put the spider on the end of the fishing rod and hang over the platform and i'd drop it down and have it like hanging next to somebody's head and (laughs) They turned and there was a spider. Ah! And one guy grabbed it and said, "No, no, no, no! Don't break it off." And he, he said, "Okay." You yeah. know. Girl watching with binoculars from the platform. It was always phenomenal. Yeah,
0: one of the beauties of being in a band. Yeah, no doubt about that. How about smaller venues? Is there one that you really like better than the others, or
1: First Avenue is okay. is the room, and you um, played that a number of
0: times. Yeah,
1: I I, I played uh, the days when it was Uncle Sam's. We oh, sure we had a stage on the side of the like stage, right sort of kitty corner where there's a bar now. Um, We would, we would set up there and go through the house system. The DJ would point at us and we'd start playing. And this is back when the dance floor was the lit dance floor and the disco days in Mm -hmm. 78, 79. And the people would, Like when you put soap on your finger with pepper on top of water, and you put it in the water, the pepper all goes to the sides. Have you ever done that? I don't think I've done the old pepper trick. Well, I can't believe. Check it out. That's (laughs) what the dancers looked like every time we started playing. They'd just go and they'd leave the dance floor. And uh, at some point, a couple of them stayed out, and then a couple more, and a couple more. So we started gaining a little traction with this audience playing cameos, basically. And went from that to the big stage. And then the big stage uh, turned into a gig warming up a band called The Ramones. Not um, a bad gig. They, they were on the Rock and Roll High School tour. And there's many books written about this night. Steve McClellan, the guy that ran First Avenue, Uncle Sam's at the time mm-hmm. said, "You guys got to start." It's like nine o'clock. The place is jam packed. couldn't Couldn't put one more in without the fire marshal shutting them down. And he says, "You got to start." So we go up and we play two hours straight. The guys from Husker du are yelling, "Get off the stage!" <laughs> there, you know, we knew that. We knew everybody, yeah. you know, and we just kept playing and playing and playing and playing, <laughs> and. Finally we get off and it's like nobody nobody likes us at this point. They're like looking at us sideways and and that became like the seminal gig for us. We could we could stand up there for two hours and put it out.
0: Yeah. And the and patrons liked it. The patrons yeah, the other bands didn't appreciate it.
1: Well, the other musicians in town just, you know, hated us anyway because we played covers. Fat guys played covers. <laughs> And we would play anywhere. You know, like I joke about we'll play a garage sale if it's for a good cause. (laughs) And so we we still do that to this day. We still get together and and throw down for reason. Whatever, yeah. And uh, so First Avenue is one of those rooms. We had a star on the wall there at one time for the hipsters. And it's an important room for me because I've done well there. I've played dozens of shows um 44 lennon shows i've done maybe 35 of them
0: oh yeah and that's the curtis a show every december yeah, that's a yeah. legendary show at, at first Avenue. yeah
1: and uh kurt kurt says if it weren't for this show my kids wouldn't get good presents for christmas <laughs> for me i i mean i saw the beatles and ed sullivan ruined my life and i and i'm not gonna Sway from that statement because there are a lot of guys that could have done great things if they hadn't been hit by that lightning bolt. Yeah, and uh, you know, you talk to any musician that's old enough to remember that—that that was like the—that was the time.
0: That was the time. What about uh, did,
1: what time did the Ramones come out that night? Midnight. Okay. So you know that we started after nine, got done after eleven. And then they came out, pulled all the gels out of the light. So it was just white light, didn't move. And they, you know, hit their positions on stage, Joey Ramone on the front of the stage with the microphone, and they bark out an hour's worth of tunes. And it was, it was phenomenal. I went over after they got done and grabbed a poster off the wall for rock and roll high school, a movie. And I walked in the dressing room and I got each of them to sign that poster And they were eating pizza. You know, it's like all these things are sort of like cliche Ramones. They're eating pizza, and there's actually pizza sauce on my poster. (laughs) It's been rolled up in my basement, and I'm I'm thinking, I should probably get that framed.
0: Yeah, yeah. Because
1: it's the original. It's still rolled up in your basement? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That wouldn't be a bad idea. (laughs) And I live on a dirt road in southeastern Minnesota. (laughs) I know you do. (laughs) Yes.
0: Yeah, you're hard to reach. There's no doubt about that. Not even on a map. Yeah. Well, um, hang on. So, uh, one more break, and then I want to come back. And if if you were to, I'm going to ask you if you if you were to open for you open up for the Ramones. But I want to ask you about uh, the three bands you would put on the stage to watch, or the three s- entertainers you would want to see. That's a tough question. You got you got one minute to figure this <sighs> out, uh, John. John, John. Coffee. Johnny Bongo. Johnny yeah. Bongo. <laughs> so, at the Chan Dinner Theaters, uh, they have a lot of cool stuff happening over there. The music of San Francisco is one of the shows that's going on now. Uh, Songs of the South is coming up. Tribute to Alabama. Uh, they got a tribute called Bridge Over Troubled Waters. That's the album tribute, by the way. Uh, that's in uh, the middle of January. Uh, music of Patsy Cline here later January. California Dreamer, which is a really cool event. Songs of Laurel Canyon. And that's at the end of the month. Uh, Lori Dawkins out there at the end of the month singing. Uh, the, they're going to do a salute to Prince. Coming up in the first part of February with a chase Novation. And, uh, and then in February, a, a, a number of them, including a John Denver tribute. This is what they're doing all the time at that music theater there, which is wonderful. On the main stage, of course, Jersey Boys, a Michael Brindisi production, has been just an enormous hit, as it should be. But in February... Uh, they're going to wrap that up at the very end of February. So if you haven't seen it go, and then starting on March 1st, it'll be the Carol King musical, Beautiful, which I've seen, which I haven't seen Michael's version of it, which I know will be fantastic. So we're looking for, forward to that out Chan Chanhassen Dinner Theaters, Comedy Cabaret, Weddings, Musical Theater Camp. they got it all at ChanhassenDT.com. Go there and get those tickets and find out more about some of the acts showing up out there. John Haga, okay, so let's say uh, you're going to put together a show now. You're in charge of that show. Who would be on the stage for you? Boy, live or dead. Live
1: or dead. I I would like to say that I saw Jimi Hendrix, which is, you know, for a lot of a lot of people that'd be weird, but I would like to see him in his prime, um with Mitch Mitchell and Noel Redding. I would like to see Gene Krupa and his big band at their height, not, you know, Old Gene, not, not marijuana strung out Gene. Um, that would be one of those things where it'd be pretty cool to see. And, of course, the Beatles, if I could sit yeah. center 30 yards off the stage with a good PA system.
0: You're playing now. If people want to catch your act, well, how do they find out what dates you're playing or where you're playing?
1: Well, um, you can call the shop. In Hopkins. In Hopkins, and, and the name of the shop is Bongos and Buds Music Center. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, my Facebook page, if you follow uh, if you follow them dots or The Rock and Hollywoods, Genie Dodds, The Hipsters, um
0: H- right?
1: H Y P S T R Z. Well, John, I, what do we leave out? Anything? Oh, you you got like part two and part three and four, <laughs> and you know, it, I, we, we haven't talked about uh, the drum company and all the all the guys or my uh, professional AV. World. No, we
0: never got into the professional um, AV stuff.
1: The the story that I like to tell about when I had my big boy job, I was a channel manager for a camera company called Vadio. I'm standing at the booth and this guy comes in. He goes. Hey, I, uh, I've been recording jazz bands at the local club and I'm thinking about adding video. And I went, my stuff is perfect. Robotic cameras, remote control. We actually have a piece that can record audio and video and adjust the latency on the video by delaying the audio. So you can line it up. So you don't have that Japanese, uh, Godzilla movie going on a Godzilla (laughs) (laughs) and, uh, so we had these great products and I'm showing him all this stuff. And I said, so a guy like you, and he's like in his late 70s, early 80s, I said, guy like you, you've been around. What what have you done? And he goes, well, I mixed the Beatles on the 65 tour up to the Mississippi. <laughs> and I went, what? <laughs> and and he goes, yeah, I, uh, I built and mixed the PA at Fillmore East and uh, my brother and I, did Woodstock. Um, the mixtures for Woodstock are in my shed in the backyard. And I'm like going, oh my God, <laughs> you're, you're like historic. And he, he goes, well, I have a Parnelli award, which is sort of like an Oscar for yeah. an actor. And I'm like, that's awesome. And, and uh, I, I said, so the 65 tour, you came up to the Mississippi. Why'd you, why'd you leave? And he goes, well, I had to get back for, Uh, other gigs that we had booked. And I said, were you with burying the remains? And they were the warm-up act on that tour in 65. And he goes, yeah. And he's like, how did you know this? And I went, I know a little bit about music, not a lot. And he goes, that's, that's unbelievable. And he said, so how did you get into music? How did you become a sound guy? And he goes, well, I was the kid who set up the record player and the speakers for the sock hops. And my parents were friends with a club that had jazz musicians come through. And they called my parents and, can you have Billy come down and wire up this PA system for this guy? And so he did. And it was two microphones, two amps, two speakers, you know, things that eight-year-olds do now. And, you know, on their iPad. Mm-hmm. And and I said, so do you remember who it was? And he goes, yeah, it was Miles Davis. <laughs> <laughs> so there's your circle back.
0: Wow. What a great story.
1: And and I got a picture with him at the show, and we were going to do something, and we just never did. But it would have been awesome. Oh, man. He was the first guy to fly a PA system, build a hydraulic stage. He had a mixer that was in the round, so he could just spin in a circle and mix the show. Yeah. But he complained about the the quality of the sound systems and the fact that they were taking baseball stadium sound and trying to broadcast it everywhere. He said, if I would have piled it all up on each side of the stage, I would have had a fighting chance over the screaming kids. Yeah. And he also did like through the Fillmore, he was doing Janis Joplin and he would give her a ride home to the hotel after the gig or the apartment building, um, it's the famous one in New York that Sid Vissers and Nancy Spungen stayed at. And uh, I said, so that was about the time that she was on Dick Cavett. And that's about the time they did the tour in Canada from the East Coast to the West Coast called Festival Express. That's the movie. He goes, yeah, that was my PA on that tour. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> and he said well i didn't drink and i didn't get high so you know i remember all of it and i i said that movie is priceless janice joplin and rick danko singing a duet together phenomenal if you haven't seen it
0: rent it yeah buy it and he was the guy
1: He was the sound guy
0: isn't that something
1: i i see the buddy guy poster here and yeah buddy guy was a young man like 20 years old on that tour he's got a Guitar cable that's about four hundred feet long, and he jumps off the stage and he runs out in the audience, and <laughs> it's really cool. It's a it's a great movie. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, uh, you got to get back to work. I got to go to work. Yeah, you got to you got a job. I, I never
1: stop working.
0: Yeah. So if you want to, downtown Hopkins, fun place to yeah. be. Stop by and visit uh, Bongo and it's, check out it's that it's music store. It's the best store.
1: music store between Eighth and 9th on Main Street. <laughs>
0: in Hopkins. Don't forget that, folks. Johnny, really good to see you again. I appreciate your time here, and I'm sure I'll stop by and say hi over at the store as well.
1: Get you a tuba or something.
0: Well, yeah, let's (laughs) give it a shot. What the heck? Too late to skip history class, but (laughs) I can can do some kind of uh, juvenile delinquency thing, I'm sure, still at this age. He is John Haga Bongo, Johnny. A lot of names there, but uh, uh, stop by the store and visit him. Uh, One of the great drummers here in the Twin Cities and continues to play as well with the Rock and Hollywoods. Uh, Davide will be back next week, of course, on another edition of My First Concert, available at Spotify, at Apple, at talknorth.com. But wherever you get your uh, podcasts, there's some great guests on here, that, and it continues here in Minnesota, blessed with a lot of great musicians, and it's fun just exploring that here on this series. And it's all brought to you by Aquarius Home Services from the AquariusHomeServices.com studios, by UCARE, by the Chan Hansen Dinner Theaters, and by StarBank.net. This is Dave, and I'll see you next time.